All right, so quick question. What is the easiest way to do face-to-face -face online meetings? You know, perhaps create interviews like the Rise to the Top or have a check-in with your virtual assistant or your web team, whatever it is. What makes it easy and simple to use? The answer, here comes Captain Obvious. Go to meeting with HD Faces by our good friends at Citrix Online, which is exactly how I created today's episode. So if you want to try it for free on me, on the house, here's what you got to do. Head over to gotomeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, enter the promo code RISE for 45 days on me. And now here's today's episode. All right, well, welcome everyone to the Rise to the Top. I'm David Seitman Garland, and I hope you recognize this handsome gent that is joining me today. It is Corbett Barr. Hello. This, this, I feel like this conversation has been a long time coming, so welcome, Corbett, to the show, man. Thanks for having me on. I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, awesome. You know, my pleasure. And, you know, you're doing rock and stuff. And we were sort of talking about this before we began recording. So we're going to talk today about how to build a thriving audience for your blog with your special formula, the S-C-O-P-E-C. -E but before we get into that, why don't you tell us just a little bit about your backstory, kind of who you are and, and what you do. And we're also where you're coming at us live from uh, sunny California. Is that true? Yeah, I'm in San Francisco right now. I actually just got back last night. Uh, my wife and I actually live in Mexico in the winters. For the past four years, we have spent every winter in Mexico. And then for the rest of the year, we call San Francisco home. So um, basically, my background is uh, I started out in uh, corporate consulting, Fortune okay. 500 consulting, doing big technology business transformation projects. And I did that for uh, about six years or so and just always had this, like, itchy feeling in the back of my mind that I wasn't fulfilling something about my life that I really wanted to do, which was to become an entrepreneur. I mm -hmm. just always had this sneaking feeling that I wanted to do it. I just never had the balls, frankly, to, to try it like full on. I, I dabbled a couple of times. I, I tried starting a couple of websites that didn't work out, but it was always sort of moonlighting behind the scenes you know, while I was still working full time. Mm -hmm. So eventually, um, in uh, and this is, I'll, I'll try to go fast, there's, there's a bit of my story because I'm a little bit older than some of the people that you interview, I think, but... Hey, that's okay. Um, you know what? We're, I, uh, we're looking to bring in... to San Francisco. We're looking to bring in the grandfather movement to the show here, so, you know, it's all good. <laughs> good. Not, <laughs> not that I'm a grandfather, but anyway. Um, so we moved to San Francisco in uh, 2005. Uh, my wife came out here to go to grad school for art, and I reconnected with an old colleague, and we started a venture-backed... Um, startup, a sort of a traditional startup. We, we worked for 10 months on a prototype. We shopped it around. We raised venture capital. And uh, this was in 2006, and we spent a couple of years doing that. And it, it was sort of, for me, it was sort of out of the firing pan and into the fire because before, when I was in the corporate environment, something didn't really feel right. Well, in this situation, we had advisors, uh, investors. I had a co-founder. We had 10 employees, a full-time office, all this kind of stuff. And I ended up feeling almost more constrained in that environment than I did in the corporate environment, right? Yeah, not, I'm, I'm, not, I'm is, not surprised at all. Yeah, not surprising. Yeah, and, and, um, and I guess I didn't know that there was sort of a third option, right? A third option being that you can work for yourself in a much more um, controlled environment. You can still do incredible work, but you don't have to have a full office. You don't have to raise money. And, and a lot of this stuff I think is possible now simply because it's so cheap frankly, to start a website, to start a blog, to, to build software, to, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, you know, back in 2005, people maybe don't realize how quickly this stuff is changing, but back in 2005, 
it still took a little bit of investment. You know, you had to you had to buy servers and all that kind of stuff. So, long story short, in 2008, uh, we were caught with our pants down, like a lot of startups, because we didn't have enough revenue to keep the business going, and the the world fell apart as far as the economy goes. So we couldn't raise enough money. We'd already raised about three million dollars, and we couldn't raise enough money to keep the full team intact. And because of this sort of dissatisfaction that I had with the way things were going and some disagreements between me and my co-founder, I decided to move on, which was kind of a hard decision to make. But um, when I did that, instead of just jumping right into the next thing, I decided to take a step back and take a sabbatical and really evaluate my life and decide what I wanted for my life, what I wanted for my career. And so that's when in early 2009, my wife and I went off on a sabbatical, six-month road trip through Mexico and um, just wanted to sort of ponder things, think about what I wanted to do next. And um, on a whim, I ended up starting a blog basically to chronicle that trip, to start asking questions about what is the nature of work and career, and then also to start telling stories about people that we were meeting who somehow were not rich or retired but had figured out ways to live in a foreign country for months every year, either bring them, their work with them or leave their work behind for a few months and really to make their career work around their lives instead of the other way around, which is what I had experienced, you know, for the first 10 years or so of my working life. Sure. Yeah. And, and the story, I guess, you know, from there is really, and by the way, I, I love this, this story because I'll tell you why, because I can attest to it in a, in a, on a certain level because a lot of us have been there, but there's people that kind of discover this other form of entrepreneurship, whatever we want to call it. You know what I mean? Some people, there's so many different names that I've heard for it. We're not going to even get into 50 of them today. But, you know, whether, whether it's in, internet marketing or, or blogging or mediapreneurship or all these different things. But this other, this, this idea that you can create this successful lifestyle for yourself and do work that you really enjoy, but, you know, without a big team. You know, something that's that's location independent. Something that, it, you know, is meaningful and fun to do. Something where you can still have time to do the things that you want to do outside of work. You know what I mean? I don't care what it is. It could be watching paint dry. It could be sports. It could be that you want to go to your kid's stuff, whatever it might be, doing those things. And that's what we preach here. And that's kind of brings us, uh, Corbett, to our, our presentation today, um, which I'm going to basically sit back and just offer annoying comments and questions during it and let you uh, take the reins. But you're going to teach us something that you've learned, obviously, and you also teach others. And, and, and that is really building a thriving audience. Because a lot of people start with this problem uh, or this issue of saying, okay, I'm out there. I got my blog or my show or whatever that media platform is online. How the hell do I build a thriving audience? So we're going to learn sort of your philosophy on this. So I'll, I'll hand the reins to you. I'll be quiet-ish and, uh, and, and let you take it over for us. Okay. Awesome. And you can see my screen, I assume, David? Yep. We got it. We look good. Cool. So, um, all right. Fantastic. I, uh, I have actually uh, started three blogs. Um, some people might think I'm crazy, but I'm just sort of addicted to the process and to coming up with new ideas for blogs and putting those out there. So I have three blogs. One is my personal blog, which is the one that I started on that trip that I mentioned before. The second one is called Think Traffic, and that's all about how to attract a thriving audience online. Mm -hmm. The third one is called Expert Enough, and that's really about um, learning how to become expert enough at various things to accomplish your goals, whether those are modest or world-changing. And through starting three blogs and also from a lot of one-on-one -on -one consulting that I've done with people, I've learned some tips and tricks for not only how to create a thriving audience around a website or a blog, 
but also just how to start a blog and to make an impact early on because as you said, you know, it's pretty easy to come up with an idea for a blog or a website, um, but you launch it and then the question is then what? How do you actually attract people to that website? And that's something that I see people struggle with on a regular basis. There are literally hundreds of millions of blogs in existence and it's a wonder sometimes, I, I'm sort of amazed that, uh, that you and I and other people that I know have been able to attract thriving, audience, thriving audiences to those and that's really the question that I try to answer and ask over at Think Traffic. So cool. what I'd like to share with everybody today is basically a framework. I like to create little frameworks because it becomes easier to sort of identify what you need to be doing and to remember exactly what you need to be doing. So I created this framework called the Scopec framework basically to show you how to build a thriving audience for your blog. And David, I would love to get your feedback as we go along here. If there are things that you'd like to jump in and talk about, um, let's do it. You oh, know, I'll, I'll be jumping. Don't, don't worry, I'll be jumping in. Sounds good to me. Let's do it. Okay. All right. All right. So here's what we're going to cover today. Basically, the first question I'm going to ask and answer for you is how do you actually attract people to a blog? What are the mechanics behind it? There is a simple framework I think that um, a lot of people don't necessarily think about. Um, so we're going to answer that first. Then we're going to go over the what I call the Scopec framework, S-C-O-P-E-C, -E and we'll explain exactly what that is. And then I'm going to show you specifically what actions you can take using this framework to build the thriving audience for your own blog. Um, and uh, if you have questions and answers on behalf of the audience along the way, feel free to jump in. Understood. I think so, I think for the community. Here's the big, I think for the big. I think for the the rise community. You know what I mean? I, I have to I have to give everyone's questions funneling through me in my purple shirt today. So it sounds good. Exactly. Just feel them from the ether and and let me know if you come up with anything. So. Here's the big question on everybody's mind, which is how do you build a thriving audience, okay? And there's one thing that I think a lot of beginning bloggers, beginning uh, mediapreneurs, whatever you want to call them, don't necessarily think about. And that is that visitors don't magically appear to your website. When you look at the popular blogs out there, when you look at some of the people, when you look at the rise to the top, when you look at um, Derek Halpern or Ramit Sethi or Lewis Howes or any of these people that you've interviewed recently that um, I've interviewed and that I talked to, the people that have the really, really popular blogs, it's not as if they just create some content and then visitors come out of thin air, right? Right. The tra I, I used to refer to that one as the, uh, the traffic ferry does not make a lot of stops. You know what I mean? The traffic ferry doesn't come in and just say, magic, here comes people that know, like, and trust you and they just come flying in the door. Exactly. So those people that I mentioned, and you and I and everybody else who's successful online, they're doing something behind the scenes. They're working behind the scenes and doing things that you can't necessarily see if you just look at their blog. Okay. So the cool thing is that the visitors you want are already hanging out somewhere online. You can't magically create visitors. You have to realize that those people are already online and they're already hanging out somewhere else online. They're spending time on other blogs, on other websites, on social media. They're doing things online. And so your job, my entire philosophy behind building traffic and your job if you want to build a thriving audience is to realize that you have to get in front of people where they already hang out online and then bring them back to your site. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. That's essentially it, okay? So when you think about the top traffic sources that I have 
that you have. Actually, I'd like to know from you, David, if these are your top traffic sources as well. Here are the top four sources of traffic to my websites and to basically every other website that I've ever looked at. Okay. Yep. The number one, or not necessarily, these aren't necessarily in order, but Google search is always on there for a more mature website. Google search is always a top traffic source. Second one is social media, places like Facebook and Twitter, um, StumbleUpon, Pinterest, other things like social media. Mm -hmm. The third are referrals, uh, meaning links from other websites and blogs. And then the fourth is what I call captive traffic. Mm. And what I mean by captive traffic is traffic that you somehow have a way to reach out and bring back to your site on demand. And that's usually in the form of an email list or an RSS list, uh, or an, I mean an RSS feed or something like that. Um, are these your top traffic sources as well, David? Yeah, they absolutely are. Absolutely are. So yeah, my my four exactly would be would, would fall into these exact four categories one way or another. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because when I started, and I, I don't I think with you, Corbett, too, probably similar. Google was more of a a passive thing that happened as opposed to an active thing. So meaning that I was not, I'm not on the SEO side of the brain. I respect SEO. I understand SEO, but I am not on that side of the brain. I'm more on the social side of the brain. However, that being said, as your as as the site started to gain credibility and clout and whatever you want to call it, now Google is absolutely you know one or two somewhere around there with social media being one or two as well. Um, but those are exactly the four for me. Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up with the SEO because I'm going to address that actually in the next slide. Um, and we're going to go over specifically the other three and I'm going to show you exactly what you can do to try to get traffic from those sources. But before we get into that, we're actually going to weed out one of these sources that you don't have to worry about, which is SEO, which is what you just mentioned. Ah, I didn't even know, I didn't even know it was coming. I didn't even know that was coming, folks. <laughs> I know. We didn't, we didn't even discuss <laughs> didn't this even beforehand. Know. But what I recommend... What I recommend for new bloggers is that they actually don't even worry about SEO. And the reason for that is that, first of all, SEO search traffic will come over time as you experienced and as I have experienced. I haven't done SEO for Think Traffic. I haven't done SEO for my other sites beyond a little bit. And I'll talk about that in a second. But um, traffic from the search engines naturally comes over time. And that's something that you can rely on. And in the beginning, as a blogger, um, you might get frustrated because search engine optimization takes some time, and I think there are places that you can be better spending your time. So first, I recommend you don't worry about it. Second, if you're one of these people who just can't ignore SEO because you keep hearing about it or it just feels natural to you, the thing that I would recommend that you could look at is just simply putting keywords in your title, and that's it. You don't necessarily need to be doing all of the other SEO tips and tricks that people recommend but simply you can put some keywords into your title that have high volume search traffic and that's one way to optimize for SEO. But beyond that, I basically recommend that bloggers don't worry about SEO. Got it. And a quick example of something like that would be like if you were like doing a fitness site for guys, you could have fitness tips for guys or something like that in your title or whatever of a post. Fitness tips for guys, you know, lift weights slower, something like that, you know, as an example there. Exactly, and, and you, can, you can go to the Google Keyword Tool, just Google for Google Keyword Tool, and that's a tool that will show you exactly how many times people are searching for various phrases, and then you could target those with keywords in your title. But this isn't an SEO clinic, so let's move on to yeah. what I call the Scopec framework. 
So here's the framework, okay? This is the framework for building a thriving audience to your blog. The first part is the SC, shareable content. The second part is offsite promotion. The third is engagement. And the fourth is conversion. And let me show you how these line up with the top four traffic sources that we just mentioned. And then we're gonna dive into each of those and, and talk specifically about what you can do to create these things, to make these things happen, and how that will bring, bring traffic to your site. Cool, cool, super pumped. So here's how we apply Scopec. If we look at the top four traffic sources that I mentioned before, we're gonna cross out Google search because of what we talked about with SEO. The second thing then is social media. And the way to attract social media traffic is primarily by creating shareable content. And I'm going to show you a number of tips and tricks, and I'd love to get your input as well, David, as we go through this, on how to create shareable content. Because on social media, shareable content is king. The kind of thing that people can pick up, that they're proud to share with um, their followers, and that is really easy to understand and decipher from you know the little bit that you read on Facebook or the little bit that you read on Twitter, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely, and I'll, I'll definitely hop in there with some the insights there. Cool, cool. The second, um, the, the number three on this list, but the second thing that we're going to apply Scopec to are referral traffic. And as I mentioned before, referral traffic is basically links from other blogs. It could be interviews like you and I are doing here. And the point of getting referral traffic is that you have to be doing what I call off-site promotion. That means you can't just be sitting on your own blog and creating content and hoping that social media is gonna do the trick. You have to get off of your site and you have to be doing things, interacting with other bloggers, um, working to get links, working to get interviews, this sort of thing, so that you get referral traffic. And we'll talk about how to do that in just a second as well. And then finally, the um, number four on the traffic list, the number three thing that we're going to apply Scopec to is again, what I call captive traffic. And again, captive traffic is the kind of traffic that you have some control over because you have a list, let's say of email subscribers, maybe you have an RSS feed. These are people that, um, these are people who are going to come back to your site because you have some connection with them already and to gain captive traffic, we're gonna focus on engagement and conversion, okay? Conversion cool. into email subscribers. Absolutely. You still with me, David? All makes sense, yeah, all makes sense here. All right, all right Here's sort of a, a little diagram of these different types of traffic. In these three columns here, I have social media, referral traffic, and captive traffic, and these things are going to drive traffic to your awesome blog in the center, and then as your blog grows, as your awesome blog grows and gains more traffic, those traffic sources are just going to loop back and sort of grow the cycle over time. So you start out small, it's like a small, maybe like a small fire that you're trying to build, you've got some kindling on there, and as everything heats up, you can add more logs to the fire and grow it bigger and bigger. And so these sources, social media, referral traffic, and captive traffic all feed into your blog. And again, social media, or sources like Facebook, Twitter, StumbleUpon. Referral traffic is other blogs. It could be other websites like Yahoo, if you're fortunate enough to get press from one of those. And then also captive traffic are uh, primarily an email list and an RSS feed. Cool. And I appreciate, so, Corbett, how you've, you've broken this down into a very easy to understand here because this is stuff that gets often very confused and there's just very easy with that map there. Yeah, and you know, um, I, I want to stress that, it, like, you know, this stuff is, is pretty much bread and butter, it's nuts and bolts, but I think 
a lot of times people just don't break it down in a simple, to, you know, easy to understand way. And I'm probably not necessarily saying things that are new to the audience, but it's sort of the way that you put the framework together and the way that you think about this holistically that can really give you an edge and help you to grow a thriving audience. So agreed, agreed. Here are the Scopec apps. Here are the actions that we're going to take with Scopec. We're going to learn to create shareable content. We're going to develop off-site promotion. We're going to engage our visitors, and then we're going to convert those visitors to subscribers. So let's dive into how to create shareable content. All right. So here is um, here are some things to remember when it comes to creating shareable content. Anyone cre can create content, but creating shareable content, the kind of content that gets retweeted a lot, the kind of content that picks up a lot of likes on Facebook, it's some it's special kind of content, and you have to keep some things in mind. So. The first thing is that it's not about you. I see a lot of beginning bloggers making a big mistake, which is they write about themselves, they write about their own problems, they write about what they're going through, and they expect other people to relate to that. And in some ways, talking about you can be helpful, but in other ways, it's hurting you because really, it always comes down to what's in it for your visitor. When someone comes to your website, they're going to be asking themselves a question, which is, why should I be paying attention to this blog when there are already tens or hundreds or thousands of other blogs that I know about and that I regularly visit? You have to answer that question and if you're just writing about yourself and not necessarily relating your experience or your knowledge back to your visitors, it's going to be hard for, um, to, for you to make a case for them to share that content with other people. So remember first of all that it's not about you. And this, David, um, this content that we're creating right now, this interview, is a fantastic example because I know that the type of stuff that you're doing lately is really, we just spent a few minutes on my background in the beginning because it's not about me. Instead, we're sharing actionable content, something that the readers can use right away. And so that's a fantastic example of exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, and, and, and I'm glad you pointed that out and, and, and observed that because, you know, we've done a lot of biographical stuff that's done very well on the rise to the top. There's a lot of different things that, a lot of different content that I've experimented with over, you know, since doing this in 2008. But I can tell you, you know, from my experience and from, you know, just the numbers and the, and the results, the ones that are the most actionable coming from, you know, the most relevant and actionable um, are going to rock the most. Do you know what I mean? Like, and if you go back and you can look at it, you know, biographical ones are great. I'm not anti that or anything like that or self, you know, self ones or things like that. But when, and if you can make it about, you know, the rise community, which is what I, what, what I want to make it about here on the show, that's what the greatest content when it comes to impact for sure. Yeah, and, and you have to remember the same thing on your own blog. You have to provide enough information about yourself so that people understand why it's relevant to be listening to you, why you have some information or experience that you can be sharing that could be helpful to them. But once you share that information about yourself and sort of establish your position, your expertise, the best way to demonstrate your value is to actually just provide value, to provide useful information to people. So um, number two is that headlines matter a great deal. I've seen plenty of really, really great content go virtually unnoticed because it had a crappy headline, whereas you can see tons of posts out there that are really mediocre posts, mediocre blog posts, mediocre pieces of content that have incredible headlines that do very well on social media. So remember the importance of headlines. And I'm sure that you've learned this over time as well, right, David? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, and that's always a tricky game, you know? And, and for example, 
on this, for example, like on this interview that we're, we're that we're, the title of this one, I already already know it in the midst of it, um, is going to be you know exactly the title of the presentation: how to build a thriving audience for your blog, you know, using this framework. And what I've learned though is is it's you know keywords like you, uh, keywords like you know making it again back about your audience and your community, um, it's going to get the most response, you know, as opposed to just, you know, Corbett's top tips or something like that or, or whatever it might be. It's just not going to do quite as well, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and it's tricky, and it's very tricky. You have a, you have a, hard, uh, a hard game to play with interviews because it's, it's really difficult to kind of fit in, you know, the person's name and what's important about them along with what they're going to learn, and it's hard to pack that all in. Yeah, but it's only aged me. It's only aged me about 25 years, no worries, you know. <laughs> right, exactly. Okay. So number three on this list, and this is something that I go back to time and time again, is to observe what works both for you and for other blogs. So go out there and look and see, look at the posts, go to blogs like you had uh, Ramit Sethi on mm. your, on your um, show recently. Go and look at Ramit's posts and see what it is that is attracting so many comments and so many retweets and everything and look at the formats of the posts, look at the subject matter, look at how it's laid out, look at how the headline relates to the blog post, look at how he did the opening paragraph, all that kind of stuff. Go and dissect things and borrow from what works and then that leads us into number four which is to experiment. I also see a lot of people who create content and they sort of get in a groove and they just basically create the same type of content over and over and over again and expect different results as if they're going to get discovered or something, um, as if they just haven't been noticed by the right people or something where, you know, in fact, if you create really high, highly shareable and valuable content, if you have done that time and time again, it's very unlikely that you would have created 10 of those that went unnoticed. Probably one of them would have been noticed and then you would have had an aha moment that you were on to something. So you have to experiment and if you aren't getting the results that you want, I tell people to experiment wildly. Try dramatically changing the tone of your post, the length of your post, um, the type of content, maybe use video versus written content. Start throwing stuff against the wall and see what sticks. And then from that, you'll learn what works, and then you'll get sort of a go-to repertoire that you can refer back to over and over again and reuse things in different formats to create new things that work as well. Yeah, it's great. And it doesn't matter even what format your blog or show is in. You know, I mean, it doesn't – meaning meaning um, you can always experiment and try something else. You've done 250 text posts or whatever. You know, you could throw in a video. You know, if you, if you do – you know, and also the other way around. I've noticed this as well, having a show – which I know a fair amount of people have their own shows and podcasts and things like that, is that you can also experiment with more blog posts or more you know, shorter shows or, or, or little video posts, and, and you never know sometimes what things are going to hit or what things are going to get hot or what things you know, are just going to give you also a mental break as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and, and that's part of it as well is just keeping fresh, right, and, and staying engaged and interested in what you're doing and sometimes trying – different things out will keep your mind fresh and keep you in the game. So here, here are some different types of highly shareable content that I've noticed work time and time again. And some people might say, maybe some people haven't tried some of these things because they think that they're broken or that they're old hat or they're passe or something, but the fact is that these things still work over and over again. And um, you know, you want to keep things fresh and you don't want to beat a dead horse on your side and bore your own audience, but 
If you haven't been using some of these things, you should definitely try them out. The first are list posts. So, for example, 21 ways to do such and such, right? A mm -hmm. list post still works. It worked in the 1930s for newspapers. It works for magazines. It still works today on blogs, and I don't see those stopping um, their effectiveness anytime soon. The second thing are infographics. These are these big, long, um, uh, sort of you know graphical elements that take a complicated idea and boil it down into a series of text and images that make something much more understandable. Those are still highly shareable, even though they've been you know uh, they're done everywhere. They're still highly shareable, especially if you get a great designer and creates something that looks really really good. Totally true. The third totally type true. here are what I call rallying cries or manifestos, and by that um, I mean laying something out that brings a group of people together and maybe says something that everyone is thinking but that hasn't been stated very well in a certain way. Um, if you go to my new blog, expertenough.com, in the sidebar you'll see an example of a manifesto that we put out. It's really just a one-page infographic with a bunch of text that sort of is a rallying cry for people who believe in being um, more of a generalist than a specialist, sort of a, a renaissance man. If you click on that, um, you'll see an example of a manifesto that I'm talking about. Very cool. Very cool. Um, the fourth are what I call what I call roundup posts, and roundup posts are basically uh, where you go out and survey a number of people and ask them a question that your audience might want to know the answer to, and then combine all of those answers into one big post with a series of different experts involved. I know that you've probably seen some of these. You know, 25 experts sound off on you know why uh, you shouldn't. Uh, worry about SEO on your blog. That's right, I actually do this. I actually do this, a, actually do this uh, a fair amount on the rise to the top. Is switch it in, especially in the early days as well. Is that I would take fifteen to twenty interviews that had a, something thematic, you know, uh, and then put it together into a roundup post. Yep. So, for example, uh, you know, twenty. 20 female entrepreneurs that are taking over the world share their secrets or something like that. You know what I mean? And I had different ones like that and those every single time do very, very well and also it's a great excuse to reach back out to those people as well that you mentioned or whatever it might be. Yeah, and, and that's, a, that's a side effect of doing those which is that um, you will get shares from some of the people who participated in that and that's sort of a, a side benefit. So it's, it's something to keep in mind as well and, and that's one of the reasons that, that those are effective um, it's also a reason that number six on this list is effective, which are hot interviews. And I say hot interviews because interviews can kind of go either way. And we can get your take on this because you have uh, tons of experience. I've, I've done maybe a couple of dozen interviews over the years um, that I've run on my own blogs. And I know that sometimes they can go through the roof. And the ones that go through the roof are actionable, sort of like you and I are doing yeah. right now. And also they have to have a really engaging guest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So very, you, very true. If you interview Gary Vaynerchuk, it's going to be a popular interview, right? But if 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 you interview somebody who's just sort of blasé, then it's kind of hard to um, hard to get a lot of interest in that interview. I don't know. I don't know if you have any quick interview tips. Yeah, I mean, on that, um, I mean, I mean, we can <laughs> go. Sure on, we can go on all day on that one. But yeah, it, it's yeah. I mean, if you have people, a hot interview is either on something that's very topical and and actionable. So meaning that people can apply it right away, or it's something very very hot right now. For example, you know, we're doing one on on Pinterest. We just did one on Pinterest. You know what I'm saying? It's a hot topic. It's 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 modern. It's current. Right. People are gonna be interested in it. The other one in referring to hot is exactly what you mentioned. People that have a very passionate 
large fan base online. Okay, so that could be uh, a yep. Seth Godin. That could be a Gary Vaynerchuk. We could call it the A-listers, if you will. Every niche and every topic has them. But as soon as you have one of those people on, you know, it's, a, it, it's just the flood because they have such a large fan base. Their fans are like rabid trying to come to you no matter what you're doing. And so and it also builds your credibility as well as sort of uh, by association. Yep. And then uh, number five on this that uh, I didn't mention um, are how-to posts. And um, this is essentially a how-to that we're doing right now. Basically, you just want to show your audience how to do something and um, break it down in really easy to understand language and maybe share something that is almost the level of stuff that someone would be paying for. If it's the kind of thing that you might be able to charge for and you do it on your blog, um, that can be a really big hit as well. Cool. All makes sense. So. So, uh, and sorry that I'm flying through these, but, you know, it's, it, it always takes a little longer than I anticipated. So No, no, please um, fly away. We always like to keep it compact and actionable, so you can, you can go at whatever pace you want here, my man. All right, all right, all right, cool. So next we're going to get into developing off-site promotion. So as I mentioned before, remember, it isn't good enough simply to write great content and then hope that um, the traffic ferry will stop by or that social media will do the trick. If you really want to grow a following quickly, you have to get off of your own site and focus on where people are already spending time and then bring them back to your own site. And you want to try to focus on people that will be interested in what you have to offer. So, you know, getting featured, let's say, on the front page of yahoo.com may not be as good as getting featured on a medium-sized blog that is really topically related to your own blog. So think about the types of people that are hanging out somewhere and how compatible they are with the audience you're trying to build. So off-site promotion simply means getting links from other websites and blogs in a number of different ways. So one of the bread and butter things that I think, again, some people think is overrated or overplayed is simply writing guest content for other blogs. And that means writing a post or creating a video or something and then approaching a blogger who runs a popular site that is related to yours and pitching them on the idea of running your content on their site. And you've probably seen it, but there are a number of blogs out there, especially in the marketing niche, that sort of run uh, guest content all the time. But even other sites, if you look at, for example, The Art of Manliness, oh, yeah. um, if, you, if you look at um, Tim Ferriss's blog on lifestyle design, those guys, even though they have huge blogs and they're not necessarily about marketing, they do run guest posts as well. And um, some of them have a page up where they simply say, here are the guidelines for submitting a guest post. Others are a lot more difficult to reach, but some of those that are difficult to reach are some of the most valuable. So you have to be crafty with your networking and try to get in touch with someone and then make a pitch to run a guest post on those sites. Have you had much experience with guest posting? Have you done any of that? Yeah, I did. You know, yeah, I, I've done a ton uh, over the years. You know, le less consistent, especially lately. It's kind of like it hits a certain point, and then I, you know, I'm, I'm probably even going to get back more into it soon. But yeah, I mean, I've, you know, everything from personal branding blog to to HubSpot to uh, to small business trends to, to just a whole variety of different sites. And 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 you know, what I noticed is also coming from a content creator's perspective as well. Um, one, guest posts are amazing. They're great stuff. They take time. They take effort, but they, they're often very much worth it. But when you're reaching out to people, please just be cognizant of whether they do allow guest posts or not. I know it sounds so stupid, but I can't tell you. I don't, for example, I don't do guest posts on the rise to the top. You know that, right? right. I, you know this. Every day. 
I get requests for guest posts. You know what I mean? And depending on my mood, it either gets deleted or it gets an occasional mildly snarky response from me that I probably shouldn't send. Um, but, right. but the point being, it's like if you see 10,000 posts on a site and there's none or one guest post, um, it's not it, – you know, there's better there, – you can, you can put your efforts somewhere else where you actually get a result as opposed to try to convince that person, if you will, you know? Exactly, exactly. So uh, number two for offsite promotion is getting linked to. And um, it might sound like something that just magically happens, but there are actually things that you can do to encourage getting linked to. And we'll talk about those in just a second. Number three is getting interviewed. And the same goes for that. There are things that you can do actually to get interviewed. Um, and then the fourth thing, and we're not going to cover this, but you can actually do um, okay sometimes by submitting your own content to social bookmarking sites like dig, like stumble upon, like Pinterest, especially in the beginning and especially if you have created highly shareable content, then that might, uh, that might actually do well on one of those sites. And I think a lot of people overlook this, but um, you can actually submit your own content to sort of prime the pump. And uh, sometimes you can do pretty well with those. So let's jump into a few tips here specifically on how to write guest posts. Mm -hmm. So as you mentioned before, um, look for blogs that run guest posts. That's my number two tip here. It might sound simple, but a lot of people sort of waste their time reaching out to blogs that don't run guest posts. Um, number one on this list is to look for blogs that are a good fit with your audience. Again, because you might be able to find a fairly small to medium-sized blog that is such an awesome fit for your audience that um, you're going to get far more referral traffic and ultimately subscribers by running on a small blog than you might from running on a big blog. And it's easier to get guest posts on smaller blogs in general. And then the number three tip on here is really just to start slightly bigger than your own blog and grow over time. Because if, if you're just starting out and you reach out to some of the biggest blogs online and say, hey, I'd love to run a guest post, but you don't have a whole lot of content on your own blog and you don't have any examples of other guest posts you've written, then it's more likely you're going to be turned down. So I recommend actually starting out just a little bit bigger than your own blog to begin with, get a little bit of experience on your feet, figure out what works, and then you can use those as references basically to point people to and say, hey, look, I wrote this post over at XYZ blog and you can see how well it did, how many people um, paid attention to this post and how many times it was shared. Yeah, and great advice. I mean, I, I love that, that fact that you pointed out a few times that I want to re-emphasize this to people is to spend some time quantifying and thinking about where it is, not necessarily the fit. That's exactly what we're talking I mean, you want to focus on that fit, like you just said. Um, I think people sometimes think only in terms of numbers and size and sort of credibility, if you will, as opposed to fit. And, and, you know, and that's what ends up happening. It's like if you went to the clothing store, right, and, and you're like, you know what, I don't care about fit. Just give me the most expensive suit. I don't care what it looks like. I want the Prada one so I can go prance around and say I have a Prada suit, right? And it looks like crap. Not going to do too much for you, my friend, all right? Might be the worst analogy ever, but I think it actually makes somewhat sense, <laughs> and now I'll kick it back to you. It makes a little bit of sense <laughs> if you think about it. Don't, don't you hate when you start down the road of an analogy that you haven't used before, and it's just kind of hard to make it actually work? That's my entire that, that life. That was okay, though. That my entire, okay. That's my entire life, so. All right, so the next thing is I, I mentioned to get linked to before, and, and that's very valuable, in fact, um, some of the biggest and most importantly, the highest quality sources of traffic that I get to my blog are links from other bloggers, links from places like um, the Smart Passive Income blog with mm. Pat Flynn. And by, 
by the way, if you haven't interviewed Pat, I don't, I don't know if you have. But yes, you he has. Not before. only have I interviewed oh. Pat, I am buddies with Pat, and Pat randomly linked to me last week, I think. So, hey, it's a triple win. There you go. And, and, you, and you probably saw like what quality traffic you can get from a great other blog, especially because it's not just a guest post where at the bottom your bio is linked there or something. This is someone basically vouching for you and saying, hey, you know what? This, this interview that I saw on the rise to the top was so awesome, you gotta check it out. If, if I'm in Pat's audience and he said that about you, then I'm very likely to go check that out because I trust his opinion, right? So, so those can be really, really great sources of quality traffic. So how do you get linked to? Well, first of all, you have to write epic content. You really have to create something that is link worthy, right? You have to create something that is worthy of being linked to. That's always the first step. If you don't have epic content, even if you're really great friends with someone who has a big site, they might not link to you because they don't think that your content's good enough. Mm -hmm. The second is that you have to network with other bloggers. And this is one of the things, as I mentioned before, that all of us are sort of doing behind the scenes that maybe people don't realize. Most of us are spending hours every day emailing, on the phone with, talking on Skype with, um, all kinds of things with other bloggers, just sort of talking shop, talking trading uh, tips and tricks, talking about how we can help each other, talking about gossip and other things that are going on, and really just establishing relationships with one another. And if you want to get linked to by other bloggers, one of the best ways to do that is to become friends with other bloggers. Because if you become friends with people, buddies, as you said earlier, then those people are likely to link back to you, much more likely to link back to you. The third thing is to what I call uh, name names and to link out freely. Because most of us, um, probably have a Google alert set up mm -hmm. or we'll notice trackbacks when somebody links to our blog. Um, we'll notice who did the linking because of the way WordPress works. So I encourage people to name names, to talk about other people that they respect and admire online, talk about content that they produced, and to link to that content freely, freely because those people will notice, you'll get on their radar, they'll be pleased that you've linked to them and in some cases they might eventually reciprocate or it might turn into a relationship or some other conversation with that person. Yeah, and I've seen a couple of really cool examples of all this mentioned. You know, one thing that happened sort of by accident, if you go back to that what your basis, right, of those ways of writing great posts that get shared, this leads to this in a lot of different ways. You know, I, for example, uh, one time I wrote one, it was maybe 20 books for rising entrepreneurs. I don't remember what exactly it was. Well, Read Write Web was doing some research on something like that and I guess found my list and wanted to include it in a special list. They, a list of a list of a list of a list or whatever it was. And, uh, you know, that thing still sends traffic two and a half years later after it got linked up, which is insane. Uh, I, it was linked up in like I, God knows when. And also, the naming names is great. Um, you know, I, I've actually seen, uh, I can't remember whose blog it is. I would love to give them credit, but I can't uh, because I forgot. But there's someone that does posts where they do things like, these are posts I wish I written, something like that. And they just mm -hmm. link up freely yep. other people that are doing cool stuff. And I thought that was just a great, great thing to do just in general. Yep, absolutely. And then the same, these tips also apply for getting interviewed. You, but there's an additional caveat here, which is you, your project in general, whatever it is that you're doing, has to be newsworthy or incredibly valuable in some way. So, you know, um, you and I have done, I, I've done some networking with you, partly through other people that you and I know mutually. Um, 
but also the project, my project, Think Traffic, has to be newsworthy to your audience in order for you to want to interview me um, beyond just linking out to me, but wanting to interview me. So you have to think about how your project is newsworthy or important to another blog and why they might want to interview you and make that uh, case clear in order to land interviews. Um, do you have any other tips on how to actually land an interview, um, to get interviewed instead of yeah. to interview someone else? The way that I like to look at it is what I say is selling around the product or marketing around the product. Okay. So for example, you have a product, right? You have, you have, you know, start a blog that matters. We're gonna talk about that later. You've got, you know, think track, you have these different products. We're going to call the product, the phone here. Okay. Uh, the, the phone yeah. is the product, right? A lot of people just try to push this. They say, hey, interview me about this product. Interview me about this whatever, okay? That's not going to appeal to too many people except for maybe some news sites that just want to cover interesting products or whatever it might be. What's going to appeal to bloggers, what's the overall teaching story around this that we can discuss on my blog or website, right? Exactly what we're doing here, okay? Meaning that we're not yep. sitting here saying product, 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 product. We are teaching a very, very valuable lessons here, you know, and that lesson could be, a biography, it could be a how-to, it could be a behind-the-scenes, those are the three major ones, how-to, biography, behind-the-scenes, but if you can incorporate that as your pitch, as opposed to just the product, you're going to be in far better percentage chance, um, and, and besides, of course, knowing the, the show, knowing exactly, or the blog, knowing what they cover, but if you go in those three routes, you, you're, you're far likely uh, higher chance to get interviewed. Yeah, in fact, um, I can... I can't think of a single case where I reached out to someone because I wanted to interview them because of a product that they had specifically. It was always because of their overall story, their overall impact, and just because I wanted to share that with people. Maybe for a second or third interview or something, you might reach back out because you heard that right. they launched a new project and you wanted to cover that, but not the first time, rarely, right? Right. You want people for their story, their expertise or they're behind the scenes, something cool they've done that you want to learn how to do or you want your audience to learn how to do. And that's, that's really it, you know? Yep. So let's dive into engaging your visitors now. This was the, if you remember back to Scopec, um, S-C-O-P-E-C. -E now, the point of engaging your visitors and then to converting them, which is what we're going to cover next, is trying to build captive traffic, okay? So you have people coming to your site because you've created shareable content and because you've done off-site promotion, but that isn't enough, okay? You have people coming to your site, and if you just have a bunch of list posts, if you just have a bunch of sort of fluffy content that might be shareable on social media, you might not engage those people enough to keep them coming back and to gain their trust so that they become subscribers and ultimately maybe buy a product from you. So you have to engage your visitors to really bring this full circle. Otherwise, you just have a, a maybe popular site that has a lot of new visitors, not a lot of repeat visitors, and you probably don't have a great um, basis of audience to sell to, which is what a lot of us are trying to do if, if you're trying to build a business around your blog. Right. They don't have so that personal relationship. Engage, right, right. So engagement is really what builds true fans and leads to more sharing and repeat visits and captive traffic. So here are just four quick tips on how to engage your visitors. The first is to ask questions. And this is especially true for bloggers because you have a comment section at the end of your post. Most bloggers do. And if you want to drive uh, activity in the comment section, which is a great way to engage your audience and to get them to spend more time on your site, a good way to do that is to ask questions within your post or at the end of the post to find out what other people think about something, 
what they liked most about your content, what they could use more of, what they're struggling with, what they need help with, that sort of stuff. Ask questions and show that you care and show that it's a two-way uh, communication instead of you just broadcasting information all the time. The second uh, thing that I recommend is to respond to every comment you receive, at least in the beginning. I know that this isn't necessarily possible after you've been at it for a couple of years, but in the beginning, that is a golden opportunity to make a connection with your reader. They took time to sit down and type out a response to something that you wrote. You sort of owe it to them to at least acknowledge that they took that time and maybe to further establish a relationship. And a lot of times that's a great way to start a bond that can last and become something much bigger. So I recommend responding to every comment, at least in the beginning. The third is um, to be open and, and available to people and actually to what I, I like to do is to solicit email. I actually encourage people to email me if they have questions. Like right now, I'll tell you that if you have a question about this interview, anybody that's watching this, you can write me at support at thinktraffic.net and I'll be happy to read and respond to your email. So cool. solicit email and respond to people. That's another great way to engage people and create lifelong relationships with your readers. And then number four, and this is a little bit harder to do, but if you can create a movement where people feel like your blog is more than just information, it's actually a community, it's a movement of people who believe strongly in something and who are trying to accomplish something. Like, for example, at the rise to the top, I know that I've sort of watched you, David, sort of transition from maybe early on just talking about startups in general to really you've started talking more and more about um, infopreneurship, if that's a word, or um, mediapreneurship, people who are building businesses based around great content, that sort of thing. And I know that there's sort of a community forming around the rise to the top show because of that. So if you can sort of create a movement and become a magnet for people who are interested in a particular movement or something that's happening, then that can really help to engage your visitors. Yeah, that's an absolute great point. And, and thank you for hitting on that as well. And, and that is so true. Like Rise Nation, and, and what I always say is that it's, it's, it's a mission more than a, than a show or a website. You know what I mean? Same idea, movement, mission, you know, the idea uh, where it's inclusive, meaning that it's part of it. And yeah, that's something that happened with the Rise to Top. The beginning, we were focused, you know, I'm talking about way back in 2008 on entrepreneurship in general, and now focused much more, as you said, yes, on info, we call it infopreneurship or mediapreneurship or basically the idea of people taking a, a passion or expertise and turning that into a badass online business. You know, not about employees and raising money and all this kind of stuff, but a simple, you know, virtual, very cool online business allowing them to do cool stuff with their lifestyle. That's what this community is all about. Not about anything else. Not about raising money or, or you know, opening a, a coffee shop on the corner or anything like that, you know? Yeah, and, and the way that you uh, found that, I assume, is by asking questions, by responding to people, by, you know, reading people's email, all that kind of stuff. You know, by listening and engaging to your visitors, that's where you discover your opportunity to create a movement. Sometimes a movement doesn't just happen, like, from day one when you start your blog. You have to really listen and fine-tune and change directions a little bit and listen to the needs of the people that you're, that you're trying to serve. And, uh, and that's where the first three things on this list really come in handy. Yeah, absolutely. And your own story as well, because your, your story is going to change, you know? Yep. So now we're going to get to converting your visitors to subscribers. And this, again, is critical because you have this funnel of people coming to your blog, and it's a terrible shame to let those people just leave without connecting with you further. Because if you start connecting with people, if you deliver value and then you convince them 
that you're going to be delivering more value in the future and that they should stay connected. That's how you really grow an audience over time. You have to convert those people to subscribers so that they have a reason and a mechanism for coming back to your blog. And that's what I call captive traffic. Eventually, as you mentioned before, David, you don't worry about doing guest posts so much anymore because you have captive traffic, because you work so hard to grow your list, to grow an audience that comes back. And that's the beauty of building captive traffic over time. You become less and less reliant on doing these other things like guest posting and interviews and everything else that actually take so much time and energy to produce. You can really focus more on your content after a while because you've built the engine that is then just growing naturally. Right. It's like, build, it's like building a big ball going off a hill. It, it grabs a lot of momentum and then it's kind of unstoppable, but you can still add to it you know, by still continuing to do it, just not as as vital as it is early on. Exactly. Yep, yep, exactly. So here are just four quick tips on converting people to subscribers. So the first of all, first of all, you have to make it easy to subscribe. And a lot of people get this wrong in the beginning. They they make it hard to find out how to subscribe. When you go to somebody's blog, it's not clear where to find, how to connect with them, how to join their email list, that sort of thing. The second thing is to build your email list and focus on your email list from day one. A lot of people think that social media is the key to building a big audience. Social media is a great way to find people and bring them back to your blog, but once they're already on your blog, um, there's a growing group of people, myself, Derek Halpern, some others who are um, focused on online marketing, who think that it's actually a bad idea to send those people back to social media once they're on your own blog. Make it easy for them to subscribe to your email list because the email list is a sacred place. It's, it's much more likely that someone is, who is on your email list is going to see your content when you remind them of it in their inbox and come back versus if you're just in their Twitter stream because they have 2,000 people in their Twitter stream. They're not sitting on there all day watching stuff go by. There's a lot, a lot of endless banter and that sort of thing. But when an email comes in, it's much more precious. It gets a much more prominent place um, in that person's day. And so we encourage people to focus on building on an email list and to make that the prominent thing that you want people to do when they come to your website. Yeah, and I agree with that 100%, by the way. 100% agree with that, and not everyone is quite there, but you, you said Derek yourself, uh, Chris Brogan, Marie Forleo, the list is going on of a lot of people now that that's a focus. Like to f actually, you know, where it used to be all the social icons and all that kind of stuff everywhere, you're seeing a lot less of that. You're seeing a lot of, okay, once you're in my house, once you're in my house, I want to I wanna keep you in my house. I want you to become, I want you to have a permanent guest pass to my house, you know what I mean, and not go to the vacation home. So it, it's, uh, it, it's definitely something that we continue to see, and I think um, a lot of people are changing up their strategy that way, so that's good. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and you know, here's, here's just one extra tip. Focus on building your Twitter list over on Twitter. Don't do it through your own blog. But once you've gotten someone to subscribe via email, then in the follow-up email, you can say, hey, by the way, I'm also over on Twitter and Facebook. So capture them as a secondary place, but don't make that the primary place to get people to subscribe. The third thing is that you have to give people a reason to subscribe. Um, that can be in the form of uh, a freebie giveaway. You can give people extra content if they subscribe. You can make a case for why they should subscribe, give them a reason. Basically, you just have to make it clear that subscribing to your site is going to give them some sort of benefit above and beyond simply getting notified of when there's new posts. You know, you have to make a case for why people should subscribe. Mm -hmm. 
And then finally, I recommend that people actually just su suggest this outright, even within blog posts. At the end of a blog post, just mention, hey, you know, next week I have this big interview coming up with um, David, or hey, next week I'm going to be writing this big how-to on such and such, or hey, did you know that I sent a special newsletter to email subscribers last week, which included these things. Sign up on my list and uh, make sure that you don't miss out on future content. That's, that's a good way to drive subscribers at the end of every post just by suggesting it outright. Mm -hmm. And also I've noticed on a show, slightly different than a blog, is that a great place to put to get subscribers and, and also to list some of the benefits or the free gift or whatever it may be right below the show. Uh, you'll notice that on the rise to the top. So like below the show uh, on here, it's going to say, join, you know, join the rise VIP list. It's going to give you a few benefits, exclusive content, hearing about certain things first, et cetera. And there's a box right there. Uh, you know, so underneath your, sh if you do a show, uh, great place to put it literally right below, you know? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And the end of blog posts is, is the exact same thing. So so that's basically it. That's the Scopec framework. Um, remember, you've got to create shareable content, focus on off-site promotion, and then engage and convert the people that do end up on your site. Um, here's just a, a reminder of sort of how it all fits together. And uh, like anything that, that I try to do and that uh, I notice you, you've been trying to do recently, you have to take action on this. If you've sat through all of this information, if you've sat through the better part of an hour listening to this framework, it does you no good unless you actually apply it. So think about how you can take action on these things. Think about how you can focus on create share, creating shareable content. Um, focus on guest posting on other sites. Focus on getting linked to and networking with other bloggers. And then also on engaging and converting the people that come to your site. Um, take action and then this, this information will actually be useful to you and hopefully it'll create, um, help you create a thriving audience for your own blog. So. That's it as far as the presentation. All Thanks right, I got, I got, I, first I have my little round of applause over here. That was awesome. I, I, people at all, all stages of the game are really going to enjoy that. And, and Corbett, you've been super, super generous with your time and your information today. I know that, you know, for those that want to check you out, we're going to have all the links below and all that kind of stuff. But you've got something cool. This is actually part of uh, kind of a bigger framework, a product that you have that's called Start. Uh, a blog that matters and this might be something that people are ready to take the next step on and and I'm gonna set up a special affiliate link it's gonna be called the rise to the top dot com slash start a blog so it's the rise to the top dot com slash start a blog that's gonna be linked up below but why don't you tell us a little bit about give us a little give us a little spiel here about what's gonna be going on with that and what kind of people um, this would be perfect for and all that kind of jazz Cool. Yeah, so um, the, the course you're, you're mentioning is called um, How to Start a Blog That Matters. It launched just about two months ago. We've had nearly 700 people sign up for the course already. We've gotten rave reviews. I have tons of awesome testimonials. You'll see if you go to that link that you mentioned there. And basically, it's a 13-week step-by-step course that walks you through not just how to start a blog, because anybody can start a blog in five minutes, right? The point is, how do you create a blog that can potentially change your life and the lives of the people who read your blog. And how do you create a blog that stands out from the crowd, gets noticed, and becomes a platform for you to build a business around, to create a lifestyle around, to explore your creativity, to connect with people, to make new friends, to, to uh, launch a book. Whatever it is you want to do, a blog can be a really incredible platform for that. And by the way, I mean, I, I consider the rise to the top, even though it's videos and things, it is essentially a blog. What we're talking about here 
is the format of a website where you publish new content on a regular basis and it's in a chronological order. Whether that's written material, video material, podcasts, whatever you want to call it, that all of those different things are, are blogs to me. And so the course basically is built on my experience with launching the three blogs that I have, which uh, attract over 100,000 monthly visitors. Um, it's the experience that I have in helping some um, people who have become very successful launch their own blogs, like Scott Dinsmore from Live Your Legend. Oh, yeah. He's somebody that you should have on as well. He's been on, um, Corbett. Come on, man. You can't find anyone. You cannot find anyone I haven't had on that you've mentioned today, my friend. Scott has been on. <laughs> All right, perfect. So Scott, uh, Scott was a uh, client of mine last year. We walked through essentially the exact framework that is laid out in this course to, to build his new site called Live Your Legend. And Scott is this incredible success story now yeah, because he followed this good. framework. He followed this framework exactly. So that's basically what we've laid out in this course. And you know, I, I work. I used to work with people one on one and did consulting, and that's very expensive and very time consuming. And so I, I took all of that and packaged it up into something that people can follow along, and they can ask me questions directly in the comments, and and we answer all kinds of questions in there. And it's got video, audio, written content, workbooks, action lists, all this kind of stuff. And um, so you can check it out at the link that you mentioned. All right, cool. So yeah, it'll be at therisetop.com slash start a blog. And, and Corbett, one final question on that. Obviously great for people that want to get started. What what about people that are, are, are uh, more, more struggling or a little stagnant and they're like, God, my stuff's not working right now. Is that all? Is this also something that, that, that this could help take them to the next level as well? Yeah, in fact, um, Scott is a perfect case study because he actually had a blog already that he had been working on for a couple of years and he just wasn't happy with the progress he was making there and he didn't feel like the original title and format of the blog that he created really um, measured up to what he wanted to contribute to the world and how he wanted to interact with people. So we took a step back, looked at what he had as far as assets and content and then looked at what he wanted to do and, and bridge the gap between those two things and relaunched his blog and rebranded it. Um, and, and all of that is also in the course. So basically, if you're starting out new, you can use it. Or if you already have something and you want to know how you can take what you have and bring that to the next level, the course will work for you as well. All right, awesome. Well, Corbett, this has been fantastical today. Uh, thank you so much again. I'm going to link that up below. And, and you're the man, and good luck with everything. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to hang out soon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. I really appreciate it and wish you the best of luck. And it's so awesome to see you just taking off. I mean, the, the show is incredible and, and uh, I hear people talking about it weekly. So Awesome. Well, I appreciate it, my man. This was, this was Corbett Barr on the Rise to Top. That stuff is linked up below. I will see you next time. I'm David Seitman Garland. And remember, if you want some fluff, you know what to do. Go pet a bunny. And one more quick reminder. If you want to get your go-to-meeting on and you want to try it free on the house, here's what you got to do. All you have to head over to is go2meeting.com. Click the Try It Free button. Enter the promo code RISE for 45 days on me.